You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and journey with me in the relentless pursuit of what you want most in life. In this episode number 102, we're talking about how to adjust your speaking to specific people. Whether it is you're telling a story at a party, whether you are at an interview giving a presentation or giving a speech to a thousand people, it's so important to speak to the person, the people that you're talking to. And I know some people kind of just do this naturally and don't really realize why. And I was kind of that way where I was okay and I was pretty good. I was decent at talking to the person. But then I realized, oh, wait, there's actually work I can do to better that skill. Um, that's just that's one thing I can't stand is, well, in myself, when I do this and when other people, is like, nah, I have a natural skill at this. I don't need to develop it. It's good enough. I'm like, no, you are naturally good. You could be so much better. Uh, so that just bothers me. So I'm like, okay, there's actually work you can do. That doesn't take that long, you know? Small things you can do to reach the specific person and motivate them to action. And the big first thing, I mean, the first thing to really remember is to, before any of this even, for these three steps, is to remember that you're giving your speech, you're speaking for someone else. You don't talk for yourself. The moment you start talking to yourself, you're a jerk and a douche and no one likes you. Um... People who only talk because they love the sound of their own voice are the worst people to listen to. And I get it. Sometimes I'm guilty of this, too, because I talk for a living. I speak, and that's how I make my money, as I speak. So because of that, I realize, okay, sometimes I, I, I perform a little too much. I perform when I don't need to perform, and I need to just stop, quiet down, and listen, and always listening is 80% of speaking, surprisingly. I had a podcast episode about that, like, in like I think it was like 10, <laughs> uh, way, way back when in the beginning I had a podcast episode about that. Um, go find that somehow, I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> the first step, the first step is to do some research. Now, um, I always did this, especially when I was interviewing, and the reason why I always interviewed so well is because... I looked at who the company was. I tried to find who the person that was specifically interviewing me was. So I already had in mind, go, okay, this is what they want. This is what they need. These are their their individual kind of pains and gains. This is what they're running from. This is what they want. Because at the end of the day, you're speaking to one person. It doesn't matter if you're speaking to a crowd of 3,000 people. You're speaking to one person. It's just 3,000 times that so, um, especially with interviewing, which is one of the most, and when I say interviewing, that also comes in sales. Like you're interviewing like for the job. Like when I sell, I consider that an interview, um, uh, because I'm selling to one or two people and I'm trying to sell myself because that's the product is myself, my work, um, uh, regardless of what it is, whether it's marketing or speaking or general other, other kinds of coaching. Cause I want to know beforehand what I'm getting into. I do not want to be thrown for a loop. I don't want I don't want to find out something in the moment and go, oops, I said that that was a really bad taste because of a recent thing that happened or because of what the company stands for. Or I made the mistake of going to sales uh, meetings and going, well, I can get you more clients through through social media. And it was a multi-million dollar company. There's like, 
but we don't need more clients. You're going to get us you're going to get us massive million dollar deals through posting on Facebook and I completely made the mistake of misreading why I was there, what they wanted. And in the end, I didn't get that deal and I'm having a hard time even going back with a revised plan because I kind of burned that bridge with that. And that was my mistake that I made and why I'm so passionate about this is that you have to know who you're talking to beforehand. Now, there's little ways to do this if, let's say, you walk into a situation or you're thrust into a situation that you didn't understand, then one way to do this is just to soak in information and to listen. Remember, hey, the hey, look at that. That came back, huh? Huh? It's almost like it's important or something. To listen and to ask questions. So, one thing that I do, um, especially when I go into networking events, when I go into networking events, I treat each little meeting as a mini interview or a mini email sale, and I just will ask them questions about themselves, and I don't let them ask questions about me. You know, if it, if it comes up and I'm like, okay, fine, you know, I'll do it, but then I'll turn it back on them as soon as possible because, first of all, it makes them feel great about themselves because everyone loves talking about themselves yours truly the most <laughs> i love talking about myself if you haven't noticed 102 episodes in um you know something i'm still I'm still making sure i balance appropriately um but you're all, you're making themselves feel good but you're also gaining information you're gaining you know you're doing that research and learning about them so like i remember um you know i'll, I'll talk to somebody and then it will get, I'll, I'll mention you know, something about mental health. And they go, oh, really? And then I start probing and asking questions. All of a sudden, I'm making a really deep connection because, you know, maybe their son or someone they know had a mental health challenge or, you know, there's some kind of issue there. And I was able to relate to them and give them advice and, you know, like, be that. And all of a sudden, because I started asking questions, because I was, you know, open about different things that I know people react to. Mental health is a huge one. As I mentioned what I do, I say, oh yeah, I speak on mental health. They go, wait, what? Really? And then of course I ask them questions and boom, I got them hooked in. So that's just one big thing. But um, some practical steps, because that's what we're all about here, right? Is that before I speak to a school, I'll look up their colors, um, you know, and because I don't want to be wearing an, an enemy school's uh, colors like their rival. Um, you know, it's a small thing because those small things can add up. I want to look at, um, is there a uniform? Because if there's a uniform, I'll dress nicer and I'll dress close to the uniform. Not quite the uniform because I want to stand out. But, you know, I'll dress close to it, maybe wearing a different, maybe wearing a different like pop of color just so I stand out. But if they don't have a uniform, then I'll dress down. I'll dress more casually because that's how they're going to be dressed. You know, it's those different things like that that are so important. I mean, I'm speaking at some big events this year that are fancy business people events. And so I'm going to dress up and I'm going to and I'm going to know, OK, these people. They don't really, I'm not really trying to influence them to do, like, what I'm trying to influence them to do is to take action on behalf of others. That's really what I'm going for, is because I'm trying to relate to them in some way. Like, I'm especially, you know, older, successful people. I'll be like, hey, look, I'm like your kid, you know, that you're proud of. Look at me. Um, and then... I'll motivate them to take action on behalf of others. So whether it's donating to nonprofits or whether it's spreading awareness or it's bringing me to speak to other places, those are the kind of different call to actions. And of course, with each specific speaking engagement, 
I'm going to have a very specific call to action that's at the end that you should know if you have downloaded my speech outline that you can find at loopdmaxwell.com. It should pop up. I need to make sure that's actually integrated. Um, in the meantime, uh, email me, Luke at Luke D. Maxwell, if you haven't, uh, if you don't find it. I'll send it your way because I'm just such a nice guy. So that's the first thing is you want to really know what's the news. And it's trying to divide it into different segments is what has happened there. What's kind of the, what's the, what's like the history, what it was founded for, the organization, the school, you know, whatever it is, the business, what's happened recently in the news. So you don't, so you avoid hot topics. So you don't say something. So you're able to like to give your condolences for something. Like if there's something really bad happened there. Um, and then who are they? Like, what goes on on a daily basis, especially schools? Like, do they have special classes, special programs that they have? I want to know exactly who they are so I can say, go here, do that, or you have this, that's great. Um, or I can make a joke related to something that's going on or a class that they have. Or, you know, I want to know because I want them to feel like they trust me. And that's the big thing when you're talking to someone it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or a room full of strangers trust is everything i mean of course you're going to require more trust building with strangers than you will your best friend but when you're telling a story let's say to your friend the one question they're going to be asking is is this true like did this happen is it exaggerating it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or not i do the same thing it doesn't matter how close i am with the person i go really like, especially if it's, like, a really, like, interesting, like, almost fantastical story. I'll go, really? Really? Or I'm telling them about something I'm developing. I always try to break it into their terms, especially when it comes to, like, complicated, like, marketing or mental health issues. Uh, very specific problems that I go, okay, like, I'm explaining this to you because you asked, but here's something in your words, in your terms. Because if I say if I say it in, in like, marketing terms, they're, and they're not in marketing they're not going to know what's going on. Just like if someone was explaining like some kind of like um, engineering thing to me, I would like, I get the basic concepts of it, but I have no idea of what you're talking about. So doesn't matter what you want to hear matters, what they understand. Doesn't matter what you want to hear. It matters what they understand. The next thing is adapting your content to that research. And now with a story, usually what I'll do is I'll just, I'll, I adapt it more for time than anything else. If we're in a room full of people and I mention something, I'll make the story shorter because it's a room full of people. If it's me and my best friend having a beer, I, I mean, I've told 10-minute stories. <laughs> I mean, you know, Claire, Claire has been on here. We will regularly just, like, sit down, we'll have a beer, or maybe we're just, like, hanging out, but we're having whatever, you know? And um, I'll just, and we'll just, like, share stories, and we'll, like, you know, spend, like, 20 minutes, you know, just, like, one person just talking nonstop. And it's really great because I'm able to relax, I'm able to talk, and, and, the other, and of course, I'm able to listen with the other person without worrying about what I'm going to say. So it's a completely different environment versus a speech where you have a very specific amount of time and you have to get everything on cue. When that happens, and that's really where I want to lean towards, on that spectrum of comfortableness and strictness is adapting content towards that strictness area. Um, when you're in interviews, when you're giving presentations, when it's something formal, something you know rigid, you know something professional, you want to when you're adapting content, you do not add, you replace. 
And that's the most important thing that I can drill into is that if you want to go off on a tangent, you shouldn't, but sure, go off on a tangent. But what are you going to replace later on? You know, it, you when you're creating your content, when you're writing your speech, when you're, you know, you're planning out the questions you're going to ask or be asked at an interview and you think about something like, oh, I need to change this because of the company, because of the situation. You do not just add it in. You do not just scribble it in. You replace it with something else. You replace that thing, right? What you already have with what you want to add in. Because what happens when you just add content? It adds time. And this is such a realistic, and that's why like, this is a very, very big practical look at speaking, at speech, at communication. Is that if you want to add something into a time frame, you must take something out. And that's just something I want to drill into your brain because what I see so many times happening is that there'll be like a special event that someone's speaking for and they'll have their speech and it's obvious. I was just just at an event where I saw this in action. This person had no training, obviously. Um, And she just kind of like was talking then like mentioned the event and it was obviously out of place. Like she stuck and then she went right back into her speech and I went, oh no. And of course, the speech went over. The speech was, burnt. I mean, all of that. I mean, you know, I, I've got, I go to a lot of events. Hear a lot of okay speakers, bad speakers. I hear some good speakers. Um, unfortunately, they're few and far between. That's not me being like, oh, I'm better. I'm like objectively just like an interesting speaker um, to people in general. Um, so, replace. Do not add. And now, when it comes to the delivery, the delivery is really the third part and just I, I mean I just I just want to also just add one more thing to content that I forgot to add um is that you want to ideally ideally when you're adding stuff in unless it's just like one like event thing I would add something that's contextual to the specific person people and event place of in each part of your speech so in your introduction there's a mention at least one in your first main point there's a mention there's a second main point there's a mention your third main point there's a mention and in the conclusion there's also a mention and what this does is instead of having that break in your speaking break talk about all of you break go back to my normal speech instead what it does is it forces you to really pull all of your content and forces it and forces you to talk to the people. You don't have a choice because it's spread through your entire speech. And that's just one thing that I've really picked up is making sure that if I am adapting my speech, especially to a specific event, then I'm incorporating that throughout the entire speech. And of course, inside, making sure I'm ready to say like, and you guys all know that because you are blah, 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 business people, you know that because you're teens, right? Those kinds of little aside things that I kind of have mentally prepared, but also if I've spoken to the group, you know, like a hundred times, then I I kind of like already got those asides already um, instinctually. It's just a reflex for me. But let's go, let's move on to delivery. And now there's not a whole lot to say about delivery. Um, The big thing is... I mean, and so here's some small things, and I just want to mention them. I think that they fit in talking to the people is that when you're looking, when you're speaking, and I'm, I'm just like putting myself right now, I'm putting myself in speaking mode. I'm like imagining that I'm in front of people. I walk on stage. I'm holding this mic. I look out upon them, 
And what I do is I really, I, I do a scan. I take time. Take your time to read the audience, to feel their energy. Um, I feel, you know, are they enthusiastic, clapping a lot, cheering? Are they more like, oh, I have to be here, yay. Do they know who I am already? Do they not? Um, you know, it's just feeling the crowd and saying, okay, what's going on? What's the energy here? And then what I want to do is I just look at individual people. And that's one huge thing that I can't stress enough when it comes to speaking to a crowd or, I mean, giving a presentation to a small number of people. Um, it really doesn't work with one person. I mean, it kind of does, um, but it's easier. <laughs> I think it's it's pretty instinctual for most of us to read someone we're talking to because we're looking right at them. But when it comes to a larger number of people, like I would say like even just 10 beyond that, is that... It's so important. I, I mean, I've spoken to crowds. My biggest crowd I spoke to, I think, was 3,000 people, I want to say. And I was still able to see their faces. I was still able to look at them and say, okay, I'm walking, I'm looking at them. What do they look like right now? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they neutral? Are they joking around with their friends? Um, do they look stressed? Do they look alone? Especially, especially at high schools. And then when I start talking, when I drop that first bomb of, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Then that's another time that I judge their face and I say, okay, how do they feel about this? Do some people start crying? Do some people look bored? Do some people look withdrawn? Um, are they fidgeting? Are they sitting completely still leaning forward listening to me? Those different tells I'm looking at because if someone, if they're all acting really bored and distracted, I know I need to be more casual. I need to pull them in more. I need to be more friendly. I need to maybe think of some jokes to crack. I mean, hopefully I'll have them written beforehand. But just in case I didn't, you know, I'm like, okay, I need like, I need to like smile more and make a joke about something. And, um, but, I, and then also I know that but if they're really intent in listening, I want to keep that energy. I want to keep that. I want to use it. And I want to pull them in. I want to talk so slower and softer. I want to use the highs and the lows really dramatically because they're already engaged. Those different things. And see, so see what I'm getting at? What I'm getting at is you're playing off the energy of the crowd and you're driving it forward you're gently guiding their emotions along a journey you're not going to change them if they're bored you're not going to crack a joke and make them all like you immediately if they're being really fidgety you're not maybe going to drop a bomb and they all stand still that's the huge huge truth like it's a huge bomb that you're going to drop on them there's just um don't think that you're going to change the audience well, the best thing you can do is know your speech so well that when you're speaking, you're speaking and at the exact same time, you're looking at how you can speak better to them, how you can talk to them, what they're reacting to. For example, in my standard speech that I give to teens, um, I go over, it's a mental health speech about teen depression. I go over, you know, it, it incorporates my story. But in the first part, which is vital, 
is I go through symptoms, and I go through symptoms of depression. And I pull upon my own story, I pull upon other people's stories, not just a list. So I have time, and I have time to watch people. And I'll notice if, if I say something like, oh, I'm not being able to sleep at night, and I look, and people react, I know, okay, that's something. I'm going to mention that again later when we're talking about overcoming. Or if I see something, you know, if I, if I see them, like, nobody really reacts to what? I'm not really going to bring that up again because obviously the crowd in general doesn't really, you know, deal with that problem because they're not having any a reaction. And I mean any kind of reaction because people cope in different ways, especially with tough subjects. They're going to withdraw. They're going to fidget. They're going to look around. They're going kind to of, kind of joke or they're going to stare intently. They're going to cry like... Any way that people will change and react, you know, changing their stance from one thing to another, changing their emotion from one thing to another. If I see that, then I know I've got them on something, unless it turns to boredom. <laughs> then if it turns to boredom, that's what, that's what I know. Okay, that, that's a bad thing. I want to steer away from that. Um, and to say, I just want to clarify, too, because... One of the best crowds I had was recently, and they were a fun crowd. They were energetic. They were they were just engaged, and because of that, I didn't become like more serious. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like. It's not about changing their behavior because they're one way. It's about guiding them to what's most effective to that call to action. So because that crowd was very energetic, I played off of it. I was joking with them. I was. They were laughing. I was friendly with them because that was the energy of the crowd. And I saw that I was friendly with them. They reacted more. We became closer, became a stronger bond and relationship. And I knew, okay, I throw in another joke. Oh, wow. We got, they reacted even more. They were, you know, so I saw that and I saw that by doing something, they were having a positive reaction. And then when I drop, you know, when I maybe go to the more serious stuff, they were listening. They were listening really intently. And so that was like an easy, easy crowd. And if you get an easy crowd first try, that's that's awesome. That's great because I've had some rough crowds. And let me tell you, just if you have a rough crowd, it's not your fault. I mean, sometimes it might be. But when in general, a rough crowd, you just got to do your speech and get out of there because they don't want to hear you. Um, maybe the booking was wrong, whatever it was. And that's really how you adapt your conversations, your communications, your speaking, is that you want to know who you're talking to. You want to know the context of who they are, what the company is, the event of the job, like of the presentation of what what's going on, because they're living in that world. They know what's going on. And if you're able to understand the world they're living in and come in as a friendly, um, you know, almost companion, then all of a sudden they're going to listen to you more than someone who comes in and, you know, gives a talk to a bunch of high schoolers about how, you know, how to build your second business, you know, that of course they're like, what? That doesn't apply to anybody. Like what's going on? Um, and then, so once you understand the context, the context drives the content. And the content, you replace what you already have with something that is more contextual. You replace. 
And then, of course, the delivery, you want to feel their energy. You want to see what's going on. If I say this, do they react more positively or do they withdraw? If I do this or act in this way, if I speak really friendly, are they kind of just like, eh, what's going on? Or are they joking back with you? Um, and, of course, you know, if you go, you know, the highs and the lows, are they drawn in? Or are they kind of just like, what are you doing? This isn't Shakespeare, you know? Every single person is different, so every single crowd is, you know, a bunch of a thousand different people. And so it's difficult. It really is. But if you start use, using these practical steps to develop a skill, and that skill soon, soon develops into a habit, and you don't even notice. Sometimes I'll give a speech, and I'll watch it back, you know, on video, and I'll go, oh, wow, like my whole demeanor changed, and I, because, and the crowd loved it. And I was like, huh, that's cool. I didn't even realize I didn't even realize I was doing it because I was so intent on you know just speaking to the people. And um just remember, you know, I think what I want to leave you is that it doesn't matter what you want to say, it doesn't matter, you know, your you know, uh what you want to hear yourself say, it matters what the person understands. It matters what they want to hear. Um, and when I say wants, you know, with a grain of salt, of course, because, you know, sometimes you got to tell them, sometimes you got to tell people things they don't want to hear. Um, that's never fun. Um, but, and that's a whole skill in itself, probably a whole podcast episode. Actually, that's a great podcast episode. I'm going to write it down. Um, pro tip, always write down your ideas because papers, permanent thoughts are not. <laughs> that's like the worst saying because immediately you go, no, paper is not permanent. Like, not at all. Have you heard of the Library of Alexandria? Oh, sad face. Rest in peace. Um, so <laughs> that will you can look forward to that as an upcoming podcast episode. I have next week oh, the whole lineup. If you missed last um, our last one, we have Monday with some confidence. Wednesday with some business news that applies to you that can develop yourself professionally and personally. And then we have an actual... Um, we are looking at um, some speaking styles yesterday of a very specific demographic that I hope will not get me in hot water. <laughs> if you want to listen, make sure you subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give that a five-star rating. I think 31% of you on iTunes right now, it literally takes five seconds to just give that a five-star rating. That's the best way for other people to hear this news about communicating with confidence about being the best person you can be and speaking it to the world speaking sharing your true self with everybody that's what we're all about you can find the show notes and more at lukedmaxwell.com slash podcast do what you love and remember to always stay on the positive side of things 